0: Welcome to the Be Ruthless Show, where we have the conversations that other people don't, the conversations that other people won't. I'm your host, Sam Ruth, and I'm ready to make a lot of noise and disrupt things ruthlessly. Thanks for being here today. Now let's get to it. Welcome back to the Be Ruthless Show. I'm your host, Sam Ruth, and joining me is a very special friend, Sean Deneen, who is the owner of Heartstrings Journal. She is a very special soul, very loving. She's been on a unique journey and is joining me on her first podcast. Yes, this is my first podcast ever. Thank you for taking the time. <laughs> uh, no, we're just going to chat. With you have done it differently than me, and you still share openly. So people need to hear your perspective.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, just to tell you all a little bit about myself. um, So I lost my fiance, John, in August of 2022. And that kind of just started my whole journey that I never expected to be on and changed my life and the direction of my entire path. So after losing him, I guess I did things differently than most people do, but I immediately just dove into, I know I need help and I know I need support. Um, At the funeral home, actually, I found a brochure that had a support group on it and I called them immediately that weekend and was like, all right, what are you going to do for me? How are you going to fix me? (laughs) Um, So I just spent a lot of time trying to gather every possible tool I could find to help fix me and that's really what i thought i needed to do i thought i could find some magical cure that was just going to solve my problems and i wasn't going to be sad anymore and i was going to be fine and i was going to get to move on and live my life and we both know that's not the case (laughs) but luckily on that journey i did find those tools that allowed me to get to where i am now which is really just focusing on like I still have my life, and while I have it, I'm going to continue to live it to the fullest. I'm going to live it in the way that would make John proud. He would not want me sitting in bed and crying and being upset over him. He would hate that. Um, so I just go out, and I I am basically a yes man now. Sam knows um, if anyone asks me to do anything. If someone asks me to get on a plane and go somewhere, I'm going. Um, someone asked me to go do an activity. I'm going, I'm trying it all. I'm doing it all. I'm just trying to make the best of this shitty situation. Um, Yeah. And it's transformed my life. And meeting you was just another piece of it. I've made so many connections now along the way. It's kind of like, once you find one, it's a domino effect. You find more and more people, find more and more support, find different people who have different methods that you can then put in your own toolbox and use. Um, so yeah, I'm on this crazy path and I don't really know how I got here other than that I was treading water, trying to figure it out and
0: it's it's been crazy. I hate how we met, but I love that you're in my life. I only know this you though. Um, you know, you say, this is John you know, that this is his influence and that you are, you are not, you weren't the yes person. Uh, you said yes and got on a plane and came to a retreat in Colorado and that was because you were looking for support. But I just know that, you know, I just know the person who then said yes and stayed an extra day and explored Colorado by herself. <laughs> yeah. And,
1: when i tell people that i do stuff like that now they kind of look at me like i have 10 heads and i'm some mythical creature because who goes and eats dinner at a restaurant by themselves like that's just insane but when i so i would say probably like in high school and stuff i i was very shy um i had friends i went out and did stuff but i was never like an outgoing person that was just going to talk to some strangers out in the wild Um, but being with John, John, I used to call him a professional friend maker because he would just chat with anyone. We would be in line at the grocery store and he'd be chatting up whatever little old lady was in line with us. And he just had such a beautiful, positive outlook about people in general. Um, and just, he never judged anyone. He, I would be like a chronic complainer about everything. And he would always just be like, what they're just doing this or they're just doing that. And I would, I would be like a little bit frustrated. Like, I just want to complain about this person, but he always had such a positive outlook about people. And so I try to take that and like mold that into my life now. And when I go get my coffee, I chat with the person at the register or when I'm out that, so I went out and took myself to dinner in Denver when I was out there. And by the end, all the people in this tiny little restaurant were talking to each other. And I feel like I definitely had an influence on that by sitting there by myself. Again, people think that's kind of a strange thing to do, but then they want to talk to you about it. So you end up making friends and connections that way too. But if high school me knew that I was doing that, I would probably pass out and die because that was not something I would have done. Um, But now I I go to an in-person group in Connecticut and I tell them all the time, I'm like, one of my favorite things to do is go find groups of strangers to hang out with. Um, When I came to Denver, I stayed at a hostel for a night because I figured if I'm by myself, I might as well go where other people are by myself. And I sat at their little bar there and talked to a bunch of people and you're never really alone unless you choose to be. So I've kind of tried to keep that mindset going and live that way. And I think it has a lot of, um, John had a lot of influence on it. Some people might say that I always had it and just never realized it either way. um, It's definitely changed my whole trajectory and how I approach things and live my life.
0: And people might say, right, that's just us making ourselves feel good, keeping, you know, how we keep them with us. And I'm okay with that. It's how I keep Jim with me. I completely believe it's him living on through you those of us at the retreat our little family uh, you absolutely connected us in ways that still continue on you don't judge you you still connect you've connected me with people who are part of doing things with grief hab you you have that and so when you tell me stories i'm like I just always thought that was you. I thought you always did this. You know, it's a surprise to me. And, and that's that's the interesting part of healing, that there are pieces, some pieces of me I might not get back. Uh, and there are these new pieces that people think have always been here. Uh, and And they do shine through. And some people think we're okay all the time. They don't see the struggle, and you talk openly about losing John to an overdose. A lot of people hide that, and I love you for it because it's it's the most stigmatized suicide is also. But when I did the event in December, I had the hardest time finding people to talk about overdose in in the field. Um, so why? What makes you so open? Uh, Why why is it so easy and important for you to share like I do and to keep that out there?
1: It's not easy at all because there's a lot of different factors that go into when I do share things. And as much as it's my personal story to share, he has his family, he has his daughter, he has all these other people who are also impacted by what happened and also by the information I put out there. And I try to be cautious about that. But at the same time, I want people to realize that addicts aren't just like that person out there by the side of the highway with a a paper asking for money. And those people may be addicts, they may not. They're still someone's person, someone's family, and they're still human inside. And frankly, you, if you knew John, you would never know that that's what happened to him because he was such a light and his presence was so huge. Every room that he walked into, he was like the star of the show. I have videos on my phone from a month or two before he passed away dancing in our living room with our new puppy. So to have that be his end by no means should be his entire story. That's, a, that's unfortunately what took him. Um, and we spend a lot of time trying to like get resources and get him healthy. And in that small amount of time that I did know it was happening and was going on, it was a downward spiral of me just trying to like reach again for every resource and tool. And I'm pretty resourceful at doing that, but you can't get immediate help. It's really, really hard. Um, We drove places that turned you away and sent you off with an 800 number. You call the 800 number and they'll call you back or leave a message. And it's just impossible, especially when you're flailing, trying to save someone's life, because it could be a matter of, he won't be here tomorrow if you don't help him today. And there's just not resources to help that. And like I said, you would never know that was his story if you knew him, because And we had like a perfect looking life. He was the manager at his job. We just bought a house. We just got a puppy. We were getting married in September. And then he died in August. So it's just such an insane situation um, and something I never had to deal with because I've never been an addict myself and I've never really been around it. No one in my family close to me has had that struggle but being around it and being so close to it and losing my favorite person to it changed my entire perspective. And I think it changed a lot of people's perspectives. Like my mom all the time comments on how like she just understands it differently now um, than she ever did because in her mind, addicts were those people on the side of the highway, on the side of the road are the asking for money. And that's just not the case. And the drugs that are out there now are just so scary and once they have you in their grips, there's no getting out of it. Like people like to have this argument between is, is it a choice or is it a um, something that you can't decide? And really, like that argument doesn't matter because once you've done it that one time, you know the feeling now, and you can't control, like. The way, I always say it, the way it has has you in, your, in its grips, you can't get out of it. John was well aware. He told me. He sat on the, our couch and told me, this is going to kill me. And he couldn't fight it. He wanted to fight it. Again, we couldn't find the resources to fight it. Even if we had, maybe that would have bought some time. But you never know what their story is going to be. I mean, you hear stories of people every day. They were sober for 16 years and then relapsed and Passed away. So it's just such a crazy, horrible thing. And we deal with it after the fact. So once someone's addicted, we want to send them to rehab and all this stuff, but we don't focus on how they got there and the mental struggles that brought them to want to use and to get into that place. And for men, especially, I think the whole mental health component of it that's what I believe drove him there is that he had that whole man's mentality of i don't go to the doctor i don't get help for myself we don't talk about feelings all of this stuff and i think a lot of men deal with that and if you go into groups if you go into our group there's women there's not many men because men just for whatever reason either don't look for the resources or don't acknowledge that part of themselves and it's all just hard and there's so many components to it it's like which part do you try to fix first
0: and and you are resourceful right there are some people who don't know what to do even if you didn't i know you were doing everything you could um this is real this is happening everywhere i had this conversation yesterday whether it is depression or addiction waiting is a problem and so if you are watching listening and you can't get a phone call back please call me or 988 and let a professional take over for you because doing it yourself is a full-time job and you don't have the resources and you don't know what to do and we can get there faster and quicker. And I had a client in Denver struggling saying, help, I want more help. And I went to meet him at the hospital. He went to the hospital and they said, we can't help you. Your therapist can do a better job. And, and I mean, he he was waiting for me in the parking lot. Like, I don't understand. They're They're not willing to do anything. You know, this is the world we live in. And if you don't have someone like me who says, I don't accept no for an answer, give me the person above you. We listen to what we're told. And you go home and you think that you have to wait for the return phone call. So please hand it off to someone in the field who will do the work for you so that you don't wait and lose someone. Uh, it's it's real and time can't pass. <laughs> um, it's happening in every city and state everywhere. And it is someone who is sitting next to you looking healthy and fine and struggling. Uh, and there are men's groups, no matter what field you're in, there is a group somewhere and it can be confidential. So, uh, I know it doesn't sound fun or easy, but doing it alone is harder. Um, it just really is what, what made you say, I don't care. Like, I'm taking this pamphlet and I don't care.
1: Um, I mean, I have a background in psychology. I've gone to therapists before. Um, I just figured it was better to have it and maybe not use it than to be looking for it and been like, oh, I wish I took that. So I was just, like I said, trying to find any resource for myself at the time. And luckily, I happened to find one at the funeral home, which is the exact moment that I needed it. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm lucky that I was looking for those tools. Um, and honestly, now that I've been in this world, I can see how many things exist. I mean, we've chatted with different men that have different programs. You're healing through the holiday had different male speakers. There truly is a group for everyone, but you have to go find it. So. It's you have to have that resourcefulness inside of you, and if you don't, you get a little lost. So, if it's hard, it's hard to know that you're going to need that until you actually
0: need it. And again, if you work at a hospital, if you own a funeral home, it's frustrating to professionals that there aren't. I'm glad you found a pamphlet, there wasn't one for me. I'm in the field, I knew who to call, but no one gave me one, and that's still shocks me. And I hear it a hundred times a week. And I spent years and, and, you know, people who I know, we spend years going to those places saying, will you take these pamphlets? And they don't and won't. And I'm done asking why. It just doesn't happen unless you find the rare person who will. So if you will, if you're interested, please know we need it the moment it happens. Then we we need it then and there. And we need someone to say, I'm here. This is what you can do. Bring me in. I'm not asking you to pay me. Let me talk to people when they experience the loss. If it's not there, Googling and finding it on your own is too much. So anyone, anywhere that's willing to add a pamphlet, That changes lives. It really makes the difference. Uh, It shouldn't be up to us. We've gone through enough, Uh, but currently it is. So uh, those of us in this world are trying to make it simpler. Uh, Even you do things like events every weekend. Talk about that.
1: Yeah. So I sell journals. Heartstrings Journals is my journal company. Um, So I go to different vendor events, um, craft fairs, things like that, and sell my journals. Um, A few of my journals are specifically grief journals. So where I put out my grief journals, I also put out grief resources. And sometimes people will grab them and they think they're my business card or something like that. And I explain to people that these are grief journals. I'm not gonna let you walk away from here with a grief journal and no support other than that. So take all of these different resources. Some are local to Connecticut. One is yours, which is everywhere. They can access it online but you're going to leave with some options of support, whether or not you use them that's on you after you take it. But I want people to know that it's out there and exists and that they can have it if they need it because a journal is support and it will help you with your mental, but there's nothing that that matches the support of like an actual community of people who get it.
0: Why have, why have journals been so helpful for you and How do you use them in your personal life, but also healing life?
1: Yeah, so one of, um, so as I've said, I was reaching for every tool when when John passed. So I went and I met with a grief counselor, and one of the things she suggested to me was journaling. And I never journaled before. To me, journaling was just, you open your notebook and you write, dear diary, today I blah, blah, blah. And so... I was like, that's kind of silly, that's not going to help me. And she explained to me that there's something therapeutic about writing out what you're feeling and getting it off your chest and giving it a physical place to live on the page. So I was like, all right, I'll try it, can't hurt. I was trying everything at that point. Um, So I started journaling in two different specific ways because that Dear Diary stuff was not for me. Um, So the first way is I would write letters to John. we've talked about this before, but I always felt like talking out loud to him felt silly to me. So my way of talking to him was writing him letters. Um, so I would write him letters in my my journal. I would keep one in my glove compartment. I still have one in my glove compartment. When I go to the cemetery, that's what I do. I sit by his plot and I write to him. And that's kind of how we talk. Um, and that's just, it, it was everything. So it wasn't just I miss you. Sometimes it was I'm I'm pissed at you and I can't believe you left me here and now I'm sitting here crying in the dirt because of you. It's not always like happy fun stuff that I'm telling him. It's it's any emotion that I'm feeling that I want him to know. I would write in letters and still write in letters. And then the other way that I did it was that I would write lists. So I would write a list every day of the good things in my day and the bad things in my day and then I would just write at the bottom if I had anything else I wanted to add. But I made sure that I always had something in the good list. So I forced myself to think of something big or small that was good and not just everything that was bad. So some days my bad list could have been 10 pages long, but I would have at least one or two good things on there too. And then by doing that, I got to kind of look back and see oh, it's been a couple of months, my bad list maybe I can't even think of anything to put on my bad list today or my good list is so much. My good list is now 10 pages and my bad list only has one or two things. Um, so I was doing that in a blank journal. And then at at some point I was just kind of like, I don't want to keep writing this format out for myself. Um, so I'm pretty like digitally creative. I like to design stuff. And, um, so I designed my own journal in that format. And I actually dug it out for you out of <laughs> out of all my junk so I could show you. And it's huge. It's massive. <laughs> so I designed it in that, I don't know if you can see this. I designed it in that way so that I had the columns set up for me there with the good and the bad and then other thoughts. And people liked it and were like, oh, are you going to sell those? Can I have one of those? And I didn't think it was going to turn into anything. I thought it was just going to be my one journal that I used, and it was for me. And now I have probably over 40 different cover designs with the same inside. And that's what I sell at my Thunder events.
0: And when you came to the retreat, I said, can we use them? Can you bring them for everyone here? Everyone loved them. They're heartfelt, heartstrings. You're creative. You have that genetic thing. Uh, in a, in many ways, you started doing graphics for me. Um, it's, it's just your thing. So it doesn't surprise me that whoever saw it said, can I have one? Um, it helps you stay connected. I write letters to Jim. So I love that you're talking about different ways people can do it. I thought you had to meditate a certain way. So I didn't do it for a long, long time because I couldn't do it the way the the way I thought it had to be done so anyone listening right now might be thinking, oh I can try a new way right we we can do what works for us and you made your own way are all of the journals this format um the majority of them are so I do have one that is a
1: grief journal it's called letters to my loved one so that one's blank line so that you can do just that, write letters to your person who's passed. Um, I've gone back and forth with making blank lined ones. I've had people ask for them. I feel like it kind of defeats the purpose because my whole point is that inside setup that is just very easy and simple for anyone to do, that you can sit down at the end of the day, get some stuff off your chest and move on You don't have to think about anything. Um, But I have thought about just doing blank ones, so we'll see. Maybe they'll, maybe coming soon.
0: I told you, um, I have clients do a different system, right? Because I agree we have positive and negative things, but my clients, I'll have homework where we go back and look. And sometimes if I want them looking for positive things, I don't want them seeing the negative, right? I, it's It can send us on a different thought process. So you made something for me yes so you told me
1: that that exact story that we can't always have anything bad to focus on some people need to just not have that part at all um so of course me i'm like light bulb will make sam a journal in her own way um so coming soon we will have the grief have journal and that's gonna have a bunch of dis- different sections it's set up differently than my my other journals are there's that same similar section where you can write down your good parts of your day. There's a little mood tracker on it. Um, Sam really likes to get into that like childhood creativity kind of thing. So there's just a blank section for creativity where you can like scribble your doodles and just sit there and aimlessly draw stuff if you want. There's a little section for gratitude. So we can, again, focus on the positive, what we're grateful for, what we're thankful for. And then there's just the blank spot where you can write whatever else you
0: need to get off your mind. And that is hard. Uh, That is hard in the early deep stages of grief. And that can be hard. Uh, The holidays, anniversaries, certain times. I love that you make yourself. I make myself. It could be, you know, I'm grateful I have my dogs, right? It could be something that we really have to Grasp for. But the point of doing it is that there are still things, even though we've gone through this horrible thing and we've lost the most important thing to us. If we force ourselves, there are still things in this world that we have. And if we retrain ourselves to think that way, the more we look for, the more we find. And then it is easier to have 10 pages.
1: Yeah. And and I don't know where I heard this, but somewhere along the way in my life, I heard someone say, like, we we all just go on and we think our brain's controlling everything that we're doing and we're feeling. But we get to have control over what we're thinking and what we're doing. We get to control our brain. So take that power back for yourself. And it might feel silly or it might feel wrong, but I'm a big fake it till you make it kind of person. So I'm going to pretend to be happy and I'm going to pretend to be outgoing and then eventually I'm just going to be that because I did it for so long. I told my brain this, all right, let's go. This is what we're doing instead of letting it take me and keep me stuck in my bed. And it's worked out well for me so far. (laughs) So that's my little lesson to you is just, just keep telling yourself. It's the same thing with affirmations. You, you're big into affirmations and it's the same kind of mindset. Like we're just going to keep telling ourselves until we convince ourselves and then it eventually becomes true.
0: And I said it to you months ago, this journal thing is going to go somewhere. This is going to be something. And you're like, no, this is just, you know, I love doing it, but I love my job. I think this journal thing is going somewhere. You are coming to events I'm having with your journal. So they'll not only be there for people to purchase and see, you will also be leading I don't know if you've named them yet. Um wh- um you will be helping people who might think like you thought. I don't want to do this dear diary thing.
1: Yep. Yeah. So it- exactly that. It's it doesn't have to just be dear diary. There's a million ways to do it. If you if you follow my Instagram, it's heart strings journals. I also post journal prompts on there because Sometimes you just need a starting point. Sometimes you can just put your pen to the paper and not stop writing for five minutes. Set a timer. You don't know what to write? You have to write that down. Like, you have to keep writing for five minutes until that timer goes off. So there's so many different ways to go about journaling. But all of it gives you this release. And like I said, that always felt, like, sounded silly to me. But it's true. And there's a reason why almost every person at Healing Through the Holidays talked about journaling. There's a reason why all these psychologists and psychiatrists suggest journaling because it works. And it really does. It's kind of like when you're so full at Thanksgiving and you have to unbutton your pants to have that relief, like that's what journaling is. So you get it all off, off your chest onto the page and you get a little space to breathe again.
0: So you'll be there if somebody wants to listen to a talk. Maybe they get emotional. They can come sit with you, do some writing. Other people can just come and say, maybe I am completely against this or I don't believe this like I did with meditation. I started trying it as a tool like I was reaching for anything. What can it hurt? I didn't think it was going to do anything for me. And now I won't go a day without it that can be why someone tries. When we go through loss and trauma, you really will try anything not to hurt. So that can be why someone can sit down with you. You don't have to believe it will work and, and it might, uh, but you don't have to know what to do. You have the prompts, but you can sit down with Sean. Uh, one of the things I learned through my event was that in this world of stigmas and judgment, and people who avoid talking about grief because it's uncomfortable, some people attended the event virtually because they were nervous to come. They thought, what if I cry? Like, I don't, I don't even know what, so we're going to have things like journaling and Reiki and all of these things at future events so people know it's safe. And it's not just somewhere that you sit and cry, (laughs) that we can talk about these things in this world openly. And if we get emotional, it's okay. we'll get through it together. We have to start doing these things in order for people to know that we can talk about these things. We're some of the few yeah and and same
1: thing with journaling i think people put these rules about it on themselves those i've had people come up to me at my events and say oh i used to journal but like i couldn't do it every day and you don't have to do it every day i don't do it every day it's it's something you can use as a tool so on those days you do get overwhelmed you can pull out your journal and implement those tools it doesn't have it's not a test it's not a a game of how many days in a row can you journal? It's just a tool for you to use and support yourself with. So it doesn't have to be this this heavy thing that you're putting as a project for yourself. It's to help. It's not to, to cause any more stress or pressure. Where can people find them and you? So my sales are under construction at the moment, but if you message me, I can get you pretty much any of them. Um, you can find me on Instagram, heartunderstrings heart understrings journals. Yeah. And, um, I have a link tree in there. So all my other links are there. So if you start with Instagram, you'll be able to find
0: anything else. What if somebody is just connecting with how open you're being and they have lived with somebody dealing with addiction or gone through this and they want to connect just to talk?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Anyone can message me anytime. Um, my business pages are on Instagram and Facebook. You can feel free to message me anywhere through there. I'm happy. I can't always help. I can't always provide a solution, but I can usually point you in the direction of someone who can. Um, so yeah, feel free to
0: send me a message. Am I forgetting anything? I don't don't think so.
1: Oh, I have to tell you. So I didn't come on here to promote Sam's retreat, but the retreat was one of the most incredible things that I have done on this entire journey. And for me, the reason is because when I usually go into groups it's it's talking about my story and reliving what happened to John and what happened to our relationship and what happened to him and it's it's very much focusing on his death and the death. Going on Ruthless in the Rockies was like just about me and healing myself and how to make myself able to continue on without him here but still have him with me. And it was just an entirely different perspective where I got to focus on truly healing myself without just constantly rehashing the story of the the week that he died or whatever it might be. Um, so if you're not sure about going on their retreat,
0: just pull the trigger and go. <laughs> yeah. I love that you just said that because it's also today, I wanna to say it correct, international, it's World Sound Healing Day. So Shalini, we love you. Uh, there's, I, I don't have words for experiencing her work. Uh.
1: No, Shalini is one of the most incredible people that I've ever met. And I'm so lucky that I got to meet her on the retreat.
0: Like there's just something
1: about being in her presence that's just calming. And it's like it's like being around a hug of a person. <laughs> like she's just so magical and her sound healing is incredible. We do the angel healing and, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember what, it, what it's called that she does. Angel but, energy like, healing, yeah. <laughs> keep breathing. I've fallen asleep. I've been so relaxed. Like, it's just amazing. Yeah. Have so
0: to join one of our groups. <laughs> those are the bonuses. So if you do sign up for the retreat, there's a, um, Shal- yeah, I've met Shalini. Um, the gifts that you get at your door are the, the journal and you get to join the energy healing groups with Shalini. So yeah, there's, there's not words, Shalini, if you're listening, we love you. Um, so thank you for saying that. We try to make it about you. Obviously we want to know if you've been through a loss, what that is, but um, healing is about us and moving through our pain. So I love that you mentioned it that way. And I'm so glad you are a yes person and you flew across the country to be with us. You've changed my life and I love that you're a part of Grief Hab and I'm never letting your hug go. So, thanks for taking time out of your day, out of your work. Every ah, oh, Jen's here. Um, so, uh, any any words, last words for everyone listening?
1: Just stop being your own biggest barrier. You get to decide what you want your life to be and how you want to do it. So,
0: just do it in whatever way brings you joy. Thank you so, so much. Check out Sean on social. Definitely get a journal. And until next time, always be ruthless. Thanks so much for listening today. Your support means everything to me, truly. If this podcast resonates with you, please do me a favor and join in the ruthless movement by making some noise and doing one of these four things. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Tell a friend so we can break stigmas even faster. Leave a review so people can see what you think of the show. And last, if you want to learn more about me and be a part of the Grief Hab community, please head on over to the Facebook group. We'd love to have you. Thanks again for spending your time with us and see you next week.